you know, I get a beautiful privilege and that is to boast on someone right now. And that someone is our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ is so intimate and so rich and so beautiful. And um, my job is to introduce Kathy, but you know what? Kathy is just an ordinary girl that has put her trust solely and fully into the arms of her Saviour. And he has led her into quiet streams of living water. He has led her to incline her ear to him. She has in her heart a treasure chest of gold that she continually pours out and teaches others. And um, we have gained that that gold, that treasure over this weekend and over a few other different um, conferences. So it is my delight to introduce Kathy to you, but it's also my delight just to say, hey, we all have our beautiful Lord and Saviour and let us boast on him and what he does in and through us as he would any one of you guys. But please, like, please welcome, it's my job to introduce, please welcome um, Kathy Green, um, our beautiful pastor who's sharing today from C3 Church in Ryde. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, how exciting. I have, of course, seen you all on Instagram. I have been following Josh, and uh, he likes to put all of you on Instagram all the time. I've watched the rows. It's been very exciting. Thank you for having me here. Oh, wow, this is a pulpit for a giant. Um, <laughs> I suddenly feel quite short. Um, but thank you. I have had a wonderful weekend uh, with the women at the Silar Conference. It's been Fantastic. Thank you, Belinda and Tash and all of the women uh, for welcoming me. It was a real privilege for me. And thank you for this mighty privilege of being here with you at Life House. So, hello, Life House. It's good to be with you. And uh, here we are, courageous as. What a great topic uh, for a sermon. And uh, Belle is right. Every one of you is mighty in the kingdom of God. You are giants in the kingdom, but we don't always feel that we are. And sometimes our view is obscured. And I was reminded of this, of one day I was going to the shops in Ryde, and, uh, which is where I'm from in Sydney, and uh, it's this little strip of shops, and uh, I parked my car, and I got out of the car, and as I got out of the car, I looked down, and then when I looked up, something happened and one side of my head went weird and uh, it was really, one side was really bright and the other side was really dark and I, I, I was very confused about what was happening and I'm walking to the bakery and I'm thinking, what is happening to me? Like, what is this? Is it medical? What's happening? And I saw people that I knew walking towards me but I didn't want to stop to talk because I was too overwhelmed by what was happening in my head. And so I just smiled weakly at them as, you know, meaning don't talk to me. But yes, I remember you. And uh, so I'm walking along, uh, seeing all these people that I knew, uh, and they're all looking at me and I'm, uh. And then I put my hand to my head and, oh, I had my sunglasses on. And I took them off and one of the lenses had fallen out. <laughs> I looked like a pirate. And one minute I'm worried about thinking, I've got a brain tumour. The next minute I'm thinking to myself, how many people saw me looking like a pirate? And uh, you see, sometimes our life is like that. We've got faulty sunglasses on. 
so we don't quite see ourselves as the Lord sees us. But as courageous as, when we think of the courage of the giants of the scriptures, we don't necessarily think of ourselves in that way. We admire them. We're amazed by them. But it's the spirit of God that is within them that makes them these giants in the land. But what about the hidden servants of the scriptures? There's so many. I absolutely love searching for all of the little hidden ones that we don't remember. For example, here's someone as courageous as Phoebe. Phoebe has two verses in the Bible, Romans 16, 1 and 2. Phoebe was a deaconess and a leader in her church and a great companion and she worked alongside of Paul and she was given the task of taking the letter to the Romans to Rome. Where would we be without Phoebe? We are indebted to her. 2,000 years later, we have the book of Romans that we read with such joy. But she took that from where she had to catch a ship. Imagine the obstacles of the enemy towards her. She had to get to Rome where things were hostile. She had to find the Roman church and she delivered this letter. Oh, as courageous as Phoebe. But what about the others, these hidden servants? Um, and what about those that travelled with Paul? Uh, I actually sometimes feel a little bit like those who travel with Paul when I go with Richard. And uh, like the famous quote, as Richard said to me one day, OK, so we'll do this trip. And he said to me, I'll meet you in Kazakhstan. And I thought, oh, how hard can it be? Uh, very. And, um, but so here we have these stories of the giants of the scriptures. So if we have a little look at Paul um, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 to 28, we have this mighty story of Paul. And he says, talks about all of the things that have happened to him as he's served in the kingdom. He says this, Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all of the churches. Now there's someone you really want to sign up with, isn't it? There's someone you think, yes, I'll go with Paul. But here we have this amazing story of Silas. Um, think of all of the incredible courage it would have taken to willingly sign up to travel with Paul. And uh, this is what Silas did. Actually, Silas was selected from among the believers to travel to Antioch to deliver a letter for the apostles. This is in Acts 15, 22 to 35. Uh, Silas was a leader among the believers and he was a prophet. He was also extremely clever. He also travelled with Peter after he travelled with Paul and he helped Peter to write his first letter. So Silas was very good at Greek. And Peter wasn't, and we know from um, in First uh, Peter five twelve that Peter says that Silas helped him to write the letter, 
and many theologians discuss the fact that the first letter of Peter has beautiful Greek. It's just wonderful. The second letter of Peter has very clumsy Greek, and that's because Silas wasn't with him. So we know that he was smart. We know that he was um, well able to travel with others and to feel at ease in second place, to travel with Paul, to travel with Peter. These would be the ones getting the accolades, and yet he travelled with them willingly. Uh, in Acts 15.36, we have this very famous story of a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And uh, at verse 39, they had such a big disagreement that the two of them parted company. And Barnabas went one way with John Mark and Paul went the other. And he selected Silas to come with him. Oh my goodness. This is known as Paul's second missionary journey. And in this during this journey, we have this story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 16 to 40. And at the beginning of this story, it says that Paul and Silas went to pray and they went to prayer and they were met by a slave girl possessed by a spirit of divination by which she predicted the future. And uh, so she was a fortune teller. So she was in the occult. And uh, she made a great deal of money for her owners by telling people's fortunes. So here's Paul and Silas, they're um, travelling around and it says that this girl followed Paul and Silas for many days and kept shouting at verse 17, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And uh, it says that she did this for many, many days until Paul got very annoyed. He was sick of it, he was sick of listening to her, he got annoyed and he turned around and he commanded the spirit to come out of her. And at that moment, the fortune-telling spirit left her and she was of no use to her owners any longer. So if we pick up this story in Acts 16, at verse 19, and here we have Paul and Silas. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrate and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us, Romans, to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, the one thing I would say about this is that these charges were trumped up charges. They were false. Secondly, there was, they were beaten severely with rods. I think severely is possibly a bit of an understatement. There was no trial and there was a grave injustice. And then to top this off, Paul and Silas were placed in the darkest place of the prison, in the very centre where there were no lights in the dark. And then they were put in stocks. Stocks was a form of torture. So not only were they beaten and sore from all that had happened to them, not only had they suffered a grave injustice, not only were they in the dark, but then they were put in stocks and for torture. And let's just read the next verse of what it says about Paul and Silas. Remembering, of course, that this was Paul that got them into trouble by delivering the girl of the demon. So at Acts 16, 25, 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Wait, just a moment. What was their response for Paul and Silas? They were singing. I was, think, I was laying in bed one night thinking about this, and I thought, what does it take to sing a song in that situation? Let's remember they were in pain, it was an injustice, it was probably pitch black, and they did not know what their future held. They did not know what would happen next, and yet they were singing. I think this is remarkable, the courage of both Paul and Silas. And imagine, what does it take to sing? What does it take to sing a song in these circumstances? I think it requires humility, I think it requires surrender to the will and purposes of God. I think it requires a great deal of trust in our heart and a lot of strength from the Holy Spirit. And we need this view of God as well, this goodness of God. So the first thing I would say if we were locked up in the prison in order to sing our song to God would be not to ask the question of, what, of why. Why God? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? I'm your servant. This is an injustice. Why, God, why? I think instead of asking the question of why, as believers, we have to ask the question of what. What, Lord, should I do? What should I do in this place? What should I do? And, of course, the, their response for the what was to sing their song, to pray to the Lord and to sing to him. You know, there's no prison <coughs> too deep that the Lord will not speak to you. In Jeremiah um, 32, it says that Jeremiah was locked up in the prison and the word of the Lord came to him a second time. And so the word of the Lord will come to you no matter what prison you are in, it will come to you. Not why, but what. But we also need a yet in our spirit. We need a yet in our circumstances of what's happening. We need this supernatural yet so that rather than go the way of of our weaknesses that we can depend on the Lord. Uh, There's a beautiful yet in the book of Habakkuk. And uh, the book of Habakkuk is a dialogue between uh, Habakkuk and God regarding the approaching Babylonian invasion. And uh, Habakkuk was confused. He was confused that God seemed to be doing nothing when it looked like their whole country would be invaded, that they would suffer death and loss. And he seemed, it was confusing for him. Why is God doing nothing? The Lord replied to him that the Babylonians would invade, but that they would be punished and that they were to trust in him. And so Habakkuk's response to the Lord is in Habakkuk 3, at verse 17 to 19, which is this beautiful song. And it says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to go on to the heights. This is this beautiful yet. Because when Habakkuk describes these things, to us it's beautiful poetry. You know, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. When he's actually describing these things, he's actually describing an invasion and starvation. 
because an invading army, the practice of the armies at those days was that they would chop down all of the trees. Every tree that there was, every orchard that there was, they would cut them all down because that meant that the people would be starving for probably another decade because it took all of that time for everything to be reproduced. So although to us it's beautiful poetry, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, this is, he's actually speaking of starvation, invasion and great uh, deprivation. But he has a yet in his spirit. He has a yet in his heart. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to go on to the heights. And for all of us, we have the Holy Spirit to help us to find our yet. In all of our circumstances, not, the, not why but what. Help me, Lord, to find the yet in my spirit that I will sing my song to you. Um, for Silas, there was a yet in his spirit. He was able to sing his song in spite of the circumstances. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon them. And this same Holy Spirit is here for us. Uh, we all need a yet in our heart. When things are difficult, we need this supernatural yet. The most important yet of all time was actually in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was there, the night before he was crucified. And uh, we know that he, uh, three times he prayed that his Father in heaven would take this cup from him. His anxiety and his stress was so great that it says that his sweat was like drops of blood. And here in Mark 14, at verse 36, this is what Jesus said. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. This is the most important yet of all time. We need to understand in John 18 at verse 4, it says that Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him. So Jesus wasn't under any illusions. He really understood what was about to happen. He knew from the prophetic um, uh, prophecies of Isaiah and all of these what was to happen, that he was to lay down his life, that he was to suffer deeply. He knew all of these things. And he said, yet... Yet, Lord, not my will, but yours. The question, I think, for all of us is, where would we be if Jesus had not been so resilient? Where would we be if he had not had that yet in his spirit? You see, the reason that Jesus said yet was because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And the joy set before Jesus was you. Without that yet, every one of us would be lost every one of us and he said yet and you are his joy you are his song you are the ones that his eyes could see in the future those that would be saved and so it's this beautiful yet the holy spirit gives us strength for yet uh, the holy spirit's the one who strengthens us to find this we need to cry out to him and say lord help me with my yet because with this we will be a witness to the goodness of God when you sing your song to God. In Acts 16.25, and we just look at this again, when it says, At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And uh, this word listening is actually a much, uh, 
it's a very beautiful word in Greek. It actually means to listen with pleasure. Not just to listen generally, but to listen with pleasure. And so all of the other prisoners in the prison were listening to them singing their song. And I imagine that there were many things that those prisoners would have heard. They would have heard groaning and crying and screaming, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have heard singing. And yet they were listening to this beautiful singing of Paul and Silas. They were listening with pleasure. And I, when I first noticed this word, I thought, what a beautiful word to listen with pleasure. And I thought, what do I listen with pleasure to? And I thought, I listen with pleasure to the birds. I listen with pleasure to children playing. And then I thought, oh, I can also listen with pleasure when I read God's word. So every time I sit down to read God's word now, I think, Lord, I listen to you with pleasure in my heart. You see, when people are listening with pleasure, it's a witness. When you go amongst the people that you know in your world at work and you're different to everybody else, you're kind and uh, you're generous, people listen with pleasure to you. They may not tell you that, but they do. They listen with pleasure. You are kingdom positioned by God. No matter where you are, you are a giant amongst others. You are kingdom positioned. There are people that you work with that no one has ever prayed for before and that yet there you are. You are mighty in the kingdom of God. You are as courageous as Silas. You are as courageous as Phoebe. All of these hidden servants that the Lord has positioned for his kingdom. And so we listen with pleasure. I would really love to pray for all of you. I would really love to pray for the yet in your spirit. And I might get the musos to come back um, just so that I can pray for you and just that the Lord would anoint you. But actually before I do that, I would like to give an invitation. An invitation of the Lord Jesus. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he did it for a reason. It was actually that many would come to know him, that many would know our Father in heaven. You see, every person in this room without Jesus would be lost for all eternity. And the scriptures are not complicated, they're very simple. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. See, not one person in this room is good enough to go to heaven, not one. We often hear people say that, oh, they're such a good person. And it's always assumed that such a good person would be in heaven. But Jesus explained that there was only one way to heaven, and that was through him. That when we come to him, when we believe in him, we will be saved. And it's not complicated, but each person needs a little yet in their heart, actually, to accept and believe this. They need to put aside their fears and say, yes, Jesus, I will trust in you. There needs to be a little yet. So I'd like to offer this invitation that you could know Jesus. Jesus loves you deeply. He has a plan for your life, and he will transform your life. Jesus will deal with your past. He will be with you in your present, and you will be with him for all of eternity. And when we say yes to Jesus, he comes into our life and he changes everything. You may have a yet in your heart. You may think, oh, I'm not so sure about this. This might be the first time you've heard this or you've heard it many times. But I'd really love to encourage you. I'm just going to pray for everybody. Just if everyone would bow their head and close their eyes for just a moment. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you love each one. 
with an everlasting love. Lord, I ask the power of your Holy Spirit on each one. And Lord, I just ask that for those, Lord, who have not yet had the opportunity to say yes to you, that you would give them your courage right now. That your courage will come upon them. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to place your hand in the air where I can see it so that I could pray with you and help you on this journey with Jesus. So while everybody's eyes are closed, if you would like to say yes to Jesus, I'd just like you to place your hand in the air where I can see it, just so that I can pray with you. If you have a yet in your spirit. Oh, thank you. I can see your beautiful hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Is there anybody else? Bless you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for the courage of these people who have placed their hands in the air right now, Lord. Lord, I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon them. Lord, I ask for your grace, your kindness. Lord, I thank you that you love them. And Lord, I just ask that you will bring revelation to their heart. Lord, I just ask that they begin their journey with you, that they would find you in an ever-increasing way every day. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I would like to pray for all of you. Lord Jesus, I just ask for your grace on every single person in the room. Lord, for your anointing, for your kindness and your goodness. Lord, we thank you that we have your courage. Lord, that you give us a different view. Lord, I thank you and ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be in each one, that they would sing their song to you. Lord, no matter what the circumstances, that they would sing their song. Lord, ask for a yet in the heart of each one. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will trust in him. Yet I will raise my hands to you. Lord, ask for a yet in their spirit. Lord, ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon them. And I ask this in your beautiful name. We thank you, Jesus, and we bless you, Lord. Amen.